0: Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We We watch watch films films to save you hassle. hassle. It's another podcast with a filmmaking twist just for you. I am TJ and we will be bringing you hot topics in the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as a stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films, and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our podcast technology from CastBox, a new app that's available Android for your podcast and entertainment needs. It's the one stop shop for taking your podcast on the go. Hello and welcome to Geek Sweat. This is the podcast brought to you for filmmakers and film enthusiasts we are recording live from the stone space welcome to our episode we are back on the podcast now and this is episode number 79 so we're one off the final and i'm joined today by kingdom hello and mkh hello so, guys, this is what I'd call the penultimate episode. How does p- that make p- you feel?
1: Penultimate episode. Yeah, I don't know what that word is.
0: Penultimate man. episode. Yeah.
2: We've got one more to go. No, I didn't I didn't know. I, I know what penultimate meant. I didn't know what he said. Yeah. No, no, I that like went. clarifying. He <laughs> <Yeah, it laughs> said, this is the... There was a Pringle that got loosened up in my teeth. The Pirani episode.
1: Yeah,
2: he's becoming an animal right before our eyes um okay yeah well wait um uh, what what series penultimate what, what episode of what so it? season four we're so on season, we're on four. season 4 oh, we we've americanized it yeah. since yes. i've been gone i'm
0: not sure if you remember but hell. we did like 70 episodes before this
2: no no yeah. but this is the first time <laughs> i've been referred to as a season when in my presence Yeah. i wouldn't stand for it because i'm british god damn it yeah and i want to keep the british traditions
0: well, but never n- mind. But you different. know what? I mean, I think we've been doing quite well. Unfortunately, we've... Um, admit,
2: yeah. <laughs> no, with
0: you, without you. I want to talk about a series called Counterpart because this episode is a review sweat. So I'm going to try and introduce you guys to a series that came out in 2017. And it's actually been promoted by a TV group or distributor called Stars. So... um the it, it, Before
2: gone? you go on, interesting fact about stars: they also unless uh, stars with a Z. as Yeah, well. yeah. It's I su- don't know. such an Americanization bullshit, but it, they also distribute power. And I think, oh, really? yeah, because stars is a direct to consumer. It's like Netflix in America. So okay. people pay a subscription. Wow. So only time they have a a a major boom in subscriptions is when power on, is on. Yeah. And as soon as power is off the air. Yeah. They. Drops. Yeah. It. It. it so is this?
0: They're not a channel. They're just like an online distributor, yeah. online streamer. Ba- basically, yeah. Okay,
2: yeah, cool. yeah, The criminal of Netflix, but yeah. Cr-
0: uh, did you say the criminal of Netflix? no uh, Equivalent. <laughs> oh, the, the equivalent.
1: Okay. But as you were. <laughs> There's no
0: criminal activity going on <laughs> yeah. at stars. My sense of you. Haven't. You need
1: to sort out your diction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both do. Yeah. So Problem with your diction. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, get your diction out of my ears. Um, so what it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's <What>? so gross.
0: <laughs> Let's get this this train back on track. If I was to give this a log line, I'd say we are looking at a modern espionage thriller with a retrofit sci-fi premise.
2: Okay, uh, long or short story, please.
0: Okay, so the short story about this is it's about an American UN employee who discovers the agency he works for is hiding a gateway to a parallel dimension in Berlin. The long story... It's so much about the age-old divide of East versus West Germany, our understanding of our choices and creating pathways and those pathways creating different mindsets. Also in this series, we get a chance to observe what would be the potential alter egos at their worst or at their best selves. And there's kind of a subplot about freedom fighters versus subordinates and of course, the double helping of J.K. Simmons.
1: Wait, a double helping of J.K. Simmons?
0: yeah he actually gets to play two different roles uh he's playing howard silk and on uh, i think um they there's a wiki page uh for this uh they they divide him as howard silk prime and howard silk alpha so i think howard silk prime is the first world mm. that you get to see of counterpart which is set in berlin and howard silk alpha is the alternate version of who he is he actually crosses this parallel divide so i would say in terms of uh, what it feels like counterpart feels like the series that the terms doppelganger and clandestine were made for
2: uh can you tell us uh, please about the pilot
0: Okay, so the pilot episode, which I was uh, the first thing I saw, and obviously you have to. uh, J.K. Simmons plays Howard Silk, who's a relatively low level government clerk who's routinely submissive at work and largely consumed by the recovery of his comatose wife, which is played by Olivia Williams in his personal life. It is only when his passcode to the building that he works at, which is called the Office of Interchange, doesn't work, that he's brought in for questioning by a supervisor, played by Harry Lloyd. But the mystery of the true purpose of this building is brought to his attention and the work begins to unfold.
1: So lots of um, sci-fi series. Well, actually, let, let me start by saying, like, what genre is this series? How would you classify this?
0: Um, well, the thing is, because of the setting, I would say definitely sci-fi. Definitely it's, uh, it feels like neo-noir as well. And it feels like there's a touch of nostalgia in there because you're getting to see the old version of what, the a new version of what the East-West Berlin mm. divide was like. And um, you do get to see some new technology but used in kind of really old ways so they've got things with like they still got crt monitors and um old plastic briefcases and wired technology so to speak
1: okay so it's like a mashup, if you like of sci-fi and neo-noir spy film tropes
0: yeah and funnily enough you did a review on the man in the high castle of yeah. the alternative sci-fi future and this feels like it's very much in the, the shadow of what the man in the High Castle aimed to achieve, which is a retrofit look of what America would look like if Germany had won the war. I feel like you get a retrofit look, but more in a kind of um uh what's the like minimalist kind of design and kind of very structured clothing as well. I mean, in terms of color, there's an element of like the Matrix. Actually, in terms of the coloring, the color code, and the clothing that's wore, it's a bit, it's a bit Matrix-like from two thousand.
1: And um,
2: wait, wait, when is this set? Is it set uh, before the Great, uh, the Berlin Wall
1: fell?
0: Oh no, this is set in uh, contemporary uh, now. So it's like it's imagining it's between 2015 and 2020. Um, But the idea is that um, our technological advancements hasn't just been due to our own scientific progress, it's that there's two worlds experimenting and giving each other information to progress our technology even further. However... um, I mean, talking about the aesthetic, um, we're talking about bleak colours, there's a top-heavy feel of administration in the air with um, the work, uh, the routine, um, going in and out of buildings and the type of characters that you meet. Um, There's a lot of charcoal greys and browns in this uh, story, which is like... um, it feels like it's 80s German Democratic Republic chic from an, with outdated CRT monitors, as I've mentioned before. There's a heavy use of paper, um, so they're definitely not environmentally friendly. And there's a lot of radio instruments that are being used, bar the mobile phones. Um, one of the high-tech communication devices is um, there's an elusive group called Management who don't actually get to see. No one actually ever gets to see, but they give these commanding instructions to staff members in the buildings of the office interchange. And when they open the box of communication, it's like a radio light device, which is reminiscent of Blade Runner's camp uh, test machine. But um, there was a question that you were asking before about the, um, the, the, genre. The, the genre and the area it was set. Um, I think the idea that they're trying to show is that these parallel there's a parallel world and this is where the suspension of disbelief comes in Um, they for some reason some scientific uh, experiment went wrong and it split the world into kind of two spaces and there's a line uh, that they built the building over to kind of cover up this uh, parallel dimension and basically through this line or tear in space the time space fabric they uh, meet up in kind of interview rooms to exchange information or they can pass through one specific door so they can cross over to one side or the other but it's like a airport style Uh, they've got to cross through some checks and like scanners before they can go through and verify the nature of their business whilst they're over there
1: so can you tell us a bit more about the plot
0: well Uh, We've got this main character called Howard Silk Um, in the Howard Silk prime world. He's um, a very studious uh, uh, administrative clerk who's brought into an interview room when his password doesn't work. And he's been asked to kind of speak to an individual who won't talk to anyone else. The mask is revealed and it turns out to be his other. Now, um, the internet, like I said before, is deemed these characters from other dimensions, either alpha or prime. So what does this mean in terms of the science fiction candy and that suspension of disbelief? Well, I'd say the science fiction is used sparingly. And um, have you guys seen Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or The Lives of Others? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what did you think of that?
1: I liked it. Really atmospheric.
0: Have you seen Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy? I him don't
1: catch? like Benedict Cumberbatch, so no.
2: <laughs> so does that mean <laughs> you... Have you
1: never seen anything that he's in?
2: No, no. I, if, if it's Marvel, I, I guess I've had to have seen him, but he's not something i will go out of my way to hold see. Hold on a
0: minute. So how did you watch Avengers Infinity War? Would you, was I, you I, like blinking it, yeah, every like time he saying, came on screen? It, when
2: it's Marvel, I have to see him, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, to, okay. to go and see anything with that character in it.
0: I'm trying to think of other things that Benedict Cumberbatch I mean, he was been, in. He was in Sherlock. I quite yeah.
2: enjoyed Sherlock.
0: Hold um, on a minute. What about The Hobbit, Desolation of Spool, Smog? Because technically watch, he's not watched, in
2: that. I haven't watched any Lord of the Rings alliteration whatsoever.
0: But the thing is, Benedict Cumberbatch is technically not in it. It's just his voice.
2: I, I think it's even worse when it's just his voice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I won't go into my, my disdain for that guy. But okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Have you ever seen the Michael Caine film, The Ip- Ip- Chris file at all? Uh, No. Okay. I'm trying to pick any kind of Cold War spy thriller that you might have seen. But um, what I'm trying to say is that um, this is a very tense and um, cold war spy thriller. And the Cold War is the idea that the characters from both worlds have um, uh, kind of terrorist stroke freedom fighters who want to keep the door closed between these parallel worlds. So it's all about...
1: It's a bit like Doctor Strange. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that the tensions always steer towards who knows what, who's got what information, as opposed to the physical peril people are in. And the main character will also have to get in and out of trouble and get information in and out of people. So... In this story, we have a government attachés who are not allowed to speak of the work they do, mainly because of an undisclosed confidentiality agreement and a higher up level of clearance and authority is due to maintaining a secret of a portal that makes a direct connection between the two worlds and how this may or may not be exploited. So in season one, we come to know that Howard Silk's other um, is an assassin and the work he does he's like a laissez-faire spy in in the other world. But through Howard Prime, um, Howard Alpha, the assassin, so to speak, he relearns the context of relationships because Howard Prime is married with a comatose wife, whereas Howard Alpha, he has separated from his wife, but they both work at the office of Interchange. So the it's all about definitive choices and incidents that they have made. And to complicate matters further, we come to understand that high level clearance team called management, which is, it's like a secret society. And I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but they are intrinsically linked with the creation of the portal, but um, they oversee and delegate departments that are called diplomacy, strategy, analysis, housekeeping, uh, section two and decryption. So, what happens is management, what uh, we there's little time to wonder what management wants to do with the other buildings and what people know in the office of interchange. But it seems like we are understanding what their methods are, and particularly as they, uh, there's so many secrets between people who cross over and the double crosses that are being made in each department and the front line. There's no real need for like frontline action, um, but I feel like it keeps people gripped and at the edge of the seat because it's like watching a, a chess move, a chess game being played. I think.
2: Okay, uh, so going back to counterpart, what would you compare it to in TV land?
0: But in terms of what you've seen, I'm trying to think. If, if, what's the last spy spy genre series that you've watched?
2: Uh, a very popular series on Netflix is called Archer.
0: Archer. Okay. I mean, basically, this would be like Archer with absolutely no humor. Uh, but imagine, actually, you yeah, know what? Imagine Archer, if he was aware, uh, imagine Archer season four being aware of Archer season five. Okay. And they'd be in two separate characters and they can cross in and out. Mm. So it'd be like you'd have Archer from season five who's got the power to cross over into season four, mm. and Archer of season four has got the power to cross over into season five. of
2: I get that that's
0: basically what it is,
2: but you lost me at, at absolutely no humor so okay um i don't
0: I don't think it's i don't think it's terribly funny I think what it is it's like because it's trying so hard to emulate this kind of um cold war uh kind of neo berlin wall uh trope it's not like laugh a minute kind of stuff it's more like it's more like tension building, and I would say that um Unlike Dark, it's um, it's not, which I know is a time travel science fiction, uh, what we're looking at is an interdimensional space travel science fiction. So we don't get an exploded diagram of connections on the wall like Dark treated us to to remind us of who's connected to whom. But what we do get to see is events unfold in terms of the characters or indeed the world that they live in. So we have to wait and wonder to see how they'll cope, uh, what they can adjust to and how they will adapt. It seems like In counterpart, there's like a hard and soft version, or a good and bad version, but you don't get to, or or crazy, insane, and a quite um, restricted, um, sensible version of each character. So unlike most spy thrillers, it's not dependent on large action sequences to cover its tracks or keep the interest of the audience. What I feel it's, um, it's always tall, it's always well contained, and it's brimming with ideas about how to portray. Uh, a classic Cold War environment so I would say that um, Counterparts Dystopian Germany is uh, monitored by Americans and infiltrated by spies from parallel worlds which is where I would draw more of a comparison to uh, The Man in the High Castle even though I haven't seen it Um, as that's in a dystopian America with Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan
1: so it's almost uh inversion inversion yeah yeah
0: yeah so the yeah counterpart is the counterpart of, right, oh, of man yeah. in high castle yeah. um
2: two references completely lost on me but go on dom
1: you were about to say something <laughs> are there any english actors that we do want to see in counterpart
0: okay so there's a bit of an english influence in this series um we've got olivia williams who plays howard silk's alpha and prime partner um i think her name's emily in this Uh, We've also got Harry Lloyd, who we haven't really seen much of on TV. He plays a sneaky supervisor called Peter Quayle. And uh, we've also got a hard-headed field operative, Ian Shaw, who's played by Nicholas Pinnock. So, and he's kind of a rival to Howard Silk in both worlds. And there's a, for me, I haven't seen him around, but a long-awaited return of Stephen Rea, who people might know from The Crying Game, who plays a sinister fixer called Alexander Pope. Um, so he's at the opposite end of the spectrum. Sorry, while at the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got Guy Burnett who plays a wonderful as an exiled ambassador who's exploiting his status on the wrong side of the parallel dimensions. And Guy Burnett, funny enough, was in Hollyoaks. Did you just yeah, want to no, say something about no, the Holiaths
1: just listening to that. It's a really choice cast. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so they've really uh, been very selective with the casting, uh, but it comes across well in the series. So I'll say there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of lovemaking happening in the series, and uh, there's some very choice swear words that have been peppered across the script, and it's certainly after The Watershed. And uh, there are some... Um, uh, if you've seen the series Dark, there are some... Uh, cameos as well so you do get to see uh the character who plays um uh Sebastian Hulk who plays Egon Tiedemann in Dark
1: who's um the head writer
0: okay so there's a guy called Justin Marks um and he is the screenwriter funny enough behind the 2009 edition of Street Fighter uh and more recently he's um been the writer of disney's jungle book which was directed by john favreau in 2016 and that was quite successful because i didn't even notice it grossed like 966 million dollars worldwide and um can you guess the other uh, big project that he's going to be writing on or has written so far
1: i can't tell us philosophy. okay
0: um well um he's going to do top gun maverick which is the long-awaited wow. sequel to uh, Tom Cruise's eponymous film. So, I think the big question after this is what brings Justin Marks over to the world of stars in-house productions? Because, as Malachi had said before, it's not really a mainstream TV service, and it seems and it seems to be exclusively online. And um, you, was it Power? You were saying was the yeah. main show. <clears throat> so. I don't know what's brought him over to it, but it seems like he's got some kind of creative freedom or creative control. And obviously it could be the hell of having to remake the Jungle Book as part of Disney's live action legacy he might have needed to take a break from that. you know. I
1: mean, let's be honest, no one's really shined in those Disney live action remakes.
0: But the the thing is, um, so Justin Marks is, um, again, like I said, he's the writer, he's not the director, but um, he's obviously got a flair for creating story that's um, high in in mountain tension. So I would say that, um, I mean, I've looked into a bit of his history and apparently he wanted to make a different type of Cold War, espionage story um, and apparently somebody's grown up reading the books of Graham Greene and John Le Carre who again John Le Carre is the guy behind uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and um, in collaboration with Jordan Horowitz who is the producer of La La Land Marx and Horowitz explored the Berlin Wall as a metaphysical construct construct even dividing worlds that were seemingly identical and this is what brought J.K. Immons, JK Simmons to in as the first actor uh, along attached to the project, so J.K. Simmons didn't know who was writing it. He only read the script, and it's a, probably
1: better he didn't know it was the writer of Street Fighter.
0: Yeah, yeah, that probably helped as well. And um, but apparently he's even he's been interviewed, and he said. That once he read the first 20 minutes of the script, he was hooked and he didn't know the creator or the origins of the story, but he did understand that there was a sadness of a, a lowly cog called Howard Silk in a kind of Fritz Langish dystopian type of world. And he was deeply attracted to that idea of parallel worlds that opened up two perspectives and perhaps two pay packets, considering he's doing a double role. Um, but yeah, Justin Mark's time uh, made him interested in bringing this kind of uh, character and um, to the screen. And J.K. Simmons is—he um, plays. He's making him play like a father figure, the father character that he did in Juno, alongside the more aggressive character that we've seen him play in Whiplash as well. Mm. Is any of this convincing you to watch the series, MKH?
2: Absolutely not. But really? It's
0: really like not, listening not even to
2: the explicit sex. Nothing at all.
0: <laughs> so do you do you purposely avoid like sci-fi thrillers and spy thrillers? Now?
2: I just purposely avoid like just really like content heavy, thinky stuff. Yeah. Without comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. If it hasn't got comedy. That's why I'm such a fan of the MCU. If yeah if if the mc had no comedy i probably wouldn't that's why i don't watch DCEU at okay. all but yeah that's that's um that's my um two cents on on counterpart okay i'm afraid
0: well if you're not a fan of me the way I'm selling counterpart, you'd probably be happy to know that Stars has not commissioned a second season for it. Um, But the reasons for which are unclear. But as we understand it, counterpart is being touted around to find a new home. So it may continue for a third series, which J.K. Simmons would like to be behind. But um with the exception of his voice work and intermittent appearances in law and order it seems like counterpart is jk simmons longest running series to date since the critically acclaimed oz which started in 1997
1: i'm gonna give it a shot yeah yeah okay you've sold me but then i i like sci-fi anyway yeah and all of the tropes yeah. That you've mentioned, so I'm going to give it a shot.
0: Wait. MKH, if I told you that Counterpart still hasn't got Benedict Cumberbatch batch in it? Would you <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. it?
1: Benedict yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: no. Uh, where, 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 where are you going to find this? If Stars is not over here? Oh, so where, where? Uh, that's an
0: interesting thing. So, Stars, uh, they've done a collaboration with Amazon Prime to screen it. Uh, so you can watch it in the UK.
2: Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only had two series. Two seasons, yeah. Two seasons, and that—that's all because stars is a direct to consumer. It's all about the ratings. If they had the ratings, they would have got a third series, definitely. Mm. Just like Power, because Power, by any any measurement, should not still be on the television with its appalling writing. But but I think so, there's a lot more money being
0: put into Power, is not it? No, when you yeah? look at
2: the when you look at an episode, it, it like it's done the shoestring and the writing shit.
0: But they got a huge cast, isn't that what they put spend the money on? It's like they got a massive cast. And then they do the music as well.
2: I think they, they buy in a lot of music, but in terms of like the uh, the practical effects, they're rubbish. Okay. Um, the writing's crap. It Like the the, ca- the actors are absolutely carrying the script by themselves, but mm. it still has a lot of ratings. Whereas, I don't know about this Counterpart. It sounds really, um, yeah, you, it sounds like you got a bed in for the night to watch Counterpart.
0: I mean, um, you could watch Counterpart to kind of wash the wash the murky Power series off you, but um, apparently it's got seven point nine out of ten, and um, it's is very well worth watching, and uh, I would recommend it. But yeah, it would help if you've if you you were a fan of like sci-fi Cold War thrillers. So that was review sweat. Thanks for coming on to the episode Kingdom. Thank you, and thank you for your anti and inflammatory comments about Benedict Cumberbatch
2: Mkh. Don't thank me. I did you no service just now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, that was the end of Review Sweat. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, you can follow us online via at Geek Sweat underscore. That's at G-E-E-K-S-W-E-A-T underscore. And that's on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram just simply using the search term geeksweat, G W E K. SWEAT or you can listen to us now on Podknife which is an alternative podcast platform uh, for any listeners out there thank you I've been your host uh, Trevor and I hope we can do another podcast for you soon over and out
2: bye